0: I don't know what kind of traditions you have. I just remember as a kid growing up, my mom, we used to listen to, um, my, my dad liked LPs, right? The, the old plastic record discs. Um, and he bought a four LP set of Handel's Messiah. And as a kid, there wasn't a whole lot exciting about that. Um, and, but we would listen to it kind of throughout the season my Dad would lift the needle when it got time to stop listening, and then he would just set it back down again the next day or whatever and so I actually kind of like listening to the Messiah. it is a beautiful piece of work, and then when you start listening to how it you when when you read about the history of it and how how quickly it was written it 's just an incredible it 's an incredible piece of work um and and you know, I don't know where you are on that, that genre of music, but it's worth a listen. It really is incredible. And there's this one, there's this one section in there, um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where they sing this verse right here. For unto us a child is born. I was going to sing it for you. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Remember that one right there? Yeah, and, uh, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's just a gorgeous musical rendition of this verse. So congratulations, you're here for the first Sunday of a four-part series called His Name Shall Be Called. And you're going to be here on the ground floor, right? So um, we're going to punch your ticket every time you come for the next four years, for four Sundays, and then you get a special—you get a special Christmas blessing from God. I don't know. Maybe you will. I don't know. Just so make sure you're here throughout the holiday season. Um, but this first, this first description of who this babe in the manger was going to become is a wonderful counselor. Isn't that beautiful that he is just... That's the first description. That's the first way that Isaiah describes because this, is this is a prediction of what's going to come. So this is the Old Testament before Jesus ever came, predicting that Jesus is going to be born and he's going to be a wonderful Counselor, And we'll kind of get into more of this as we go throughout the next couple of weeks. But what a beautiful gift that Jesus is to us being a wonderful counselor. So these two words, wonderful counselor, we put a comma in there, but it really is just one thought. He is a wonderful counselor for us. So of course, me being me, I like to kind of dig a little deeper and kind of find out what these words mean because the word "wonderful" doesn't mean the same thing today as it did back then. So today, wonderful. Oh, I, oh, that's wonderful. That's that's wonderful. It doesn't feel the same, right? As wonderful counselor. So the word in the Hebrew, which was the original text when they wrote the Old Testament thousands of years ago, is the word "pale." And the word palais is beyond understanding, too wonderful for words. So it's like, how can we describe how incredibly wonderful this person is going to be who's going to come? He's a wonderful. You can't even describe what kind of counselor he's going to be. Wonderful. And then it says counselor, and it's the Yahatz is, is the Hebrew word for it, and it means to advise, to consult, or to guide. So here's, here's what I want us to grab a hold of this morning, and that is you have access to an individual who, who is incredibly in love with you and wants only your best, gave his life for you, And you have access to all of that counsel and all of that guidance in your life. And it is too wonderful for words. And and, and this, that Jesus is, above all, uniquely overqualified to help his children. Like if there was anybody you were going to go to for help with anything, Jesus is overly qualified to be the person. Now, I don't know what level of computer savvy you have, but there's very few things more frustrating when something doesn't work that is technologically based, right? I mean, one of the most frustrating things for me is when my Bluetooth doesn't hook up to my car phone. It's like I can't get it to, I mean, I've done, it should do it automatically, but for some reason, so I'll go through all the processes, and I just can't figure out what the problem is. It's like it just doesn't work, and it's so frustrating, and that's why I have people in my life who know about that kind of stuff, and they're overly qualified to help me with something simple. What did you call it, Todd? An ID10T? Sounds like an ID10T problem. I-D-10-T. Wait a minute, that spells idiot. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) Sounds like an idiot problem. Okay. So, yeah, sometimes I have I-D-10-T problems, but regardless, it's nice to just know somebody that can help you over that hump, right? Because they're overly qualified to help you with that little lame problem. How do you make a heart with a three and a little sideways V? I don't know how to do that. It's okay. I, I wouldn't ever send them out anyway. <laughs> but Jesus is uniquely qualified to help his children. That's the beautiful thing. So here's a couple reasons why he is. First of all, he knows it all. Right? I mean, he just knows it all. There is... Okay, so what do you need to know? What do you need help with? Personal relationships? He can help. How to overcome an issue? He, I mean, He knows it all. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus knows it all. Not only that, He knows you. He knows all about you. He is... Okay, he knows what makes you tick. So he knows it all, but he also just knows you. And what a great combination. Somebody that knows everything there ever is to know, and he knows you intimately well. He knows what makes you tick. John chapter 2, verse 25 says this, and he, he knew what was in the heart of man. I mean, he knows what is in you, what, what makes your temper rise, what makes you sad. He knows what it takes to make you feel like you have victory over something. He just knows you, and thank God that he does, that you don't have to explain everything to him. And then he also knows exactly how you feel. So, so check out this counselor. He knows everything. He knows you like nobody does and he knows exactly how you feel because he was human for 33 years. He experienced every emotion and physical hardship that we have gone through and that we will go through. He is uniquely qualified because he knows exactly how you feel. He is empathetic, not just sympathetic sympathetic is oh i'm sorry you're going through that empathetic is man i know how that feels because i've been through that and you become uniquely qualified because you really do understand what the other person is going through hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 talking about jesus being our high priest it says this he cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then he loved this promise. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I don't know what needs you have, and I don't know what stumblings you have encountered in your life, and I don't know how you look at God, but when God says, I want you to come to my throne of grace when you have an issue, when you have a problem, he's not asking you and inviting you in because he plans judgment. He's asking and inviting you in because he wants to treat people better than we treat people, and he wants to give you grace and mercy to help you in the time of need. But why is it that we just feel like if we're open and honest with God and we come to him from help, that he's going to pick apart our problems and judge us for our lack of spirituality? I think it's because we as believers have created that idea of what God is like, and he's not like that. Because we tend to be judgmental, and we tend to judge people based on how they behave, and we look for areas that make us feel superior, areas that maybe they're not as good at, or, you, or maybe you feel like you have a handle on. But we're talking about a God who loved you so much that he gave up his son to reconnect with you, Don't think for him. Now, he's a holy God. And he hates sin. But he hates it because of what it does to you. And he hates it because of what it does to your family. And he wants it out of your life, but not because he hates you, but because he wants to restore you so you can have abundant life. It's a beautiful thing. And this is the wonderful counselor that we get to have in our lives. So if you have a problem or an issue or a need, (laughs) he's the perfect answer. He promises grace to help in a time of need. He is truly a wonderful, wonderful counselor. So we're sick, right? We have problems and uh We have got to figure out how to deal with who we are and the relationships that we have and the problems that we encounter. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus came to heal the sick. When he was having a conversation with the Pharisees, he said this in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, that those that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And that's who he came to help heal. So I'm not sure... How you're sick, like, like I don't know if you're sick, um, you're, you're just sin sick, like you just have a hard time with certain types of activity that, that hurt your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're just uh, relationally sick. You have, you have cancerous relationships in your life. You have, you have relationships with people that drag you down, that cause you anxiety, that cause you stress. Maybe you're just emotionally sick and you can't seem to get over that hump of, of always battling those emotions and can't get over it. Maybe you're physically sick. Please understand that when Jesus said, I'm here to heal the sick, it wasn't like just people who were unbelievers. It was people who were believers as well. You're still part of his mission. You are, as a believer, he still wants to help heal your life and be the wonderful counselor in your life to take you to a different level. So what areas in your life need healing? What areas in your life are sick? What's coming to your mind right now? Where do you need help? Where do you need counsel? Let's not continue to struggle with issues when we have a wonderful counselor who wants to help. So a couple of ideas that I came up with that will help you get the most out of this relationship that you get to have with a wonderful counselor, and, and just a couple like to-dos, right? Some, some how-to things, some things that you can, I feel, I can really grab onto and say, okay, I can do that. And you get to enjoy the benefits of this wonderful Counselor that has been made available to us. The first thing is, I believe this, when you go to your counselor, you need to be brutally honest. You need to be brutally honest with your counselor. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a counselor, but isn't it uncanny how they can tell when you're just pulling the wool over their eyes? Because if you try and look good with a counselor, you're not really going to get help. If, you, if you're trying just to say just enough, but you're not really letting them in, there's only so much they can do. Don't, have you ever done that with your kids? Like you already know what happened. You just need them to tell you what you already know just happened. Because it's good for them to confess. The Bible says that, doesn't it? That confession is good for the soul, right? It's just, just getting it out is so helpful. And I think it's important for our relationship with a counselor is just to be brutally honest with our counselor because he already knows. He just knows that it's important for you to tell him what it is he already knows. There's this great story in, in, in the book of John. And, and John was the beloved disciple. He, he wrote a book that, that um, recorded a lot of the events during the ministry of Christ during the three years. And one of them. so they're, they're heading to this town and Jesus decides to go a different way. So he wants to go through Samaria. Well, he didn't go through Samaria. Samaria is where the undesirable people lived. But Jesus had an appointment, a divine appointment to meet a lady at a well, a Samaritan woman So he goes to this well, and he meets this woman, and they begin a conversation. And in the midst of this conversation, Jesus finally says, i tell you what, go get your husband for me. And she looked at him and said, "Um, I don't have a husband. And he says, I know, right? You have, not only do you not have a husband, but you've had five. And the one that you're with, you're not even married to. So it's like Jesus already knew everything about her life. He just needed her to be honest with him and tell him about her life. He's not going to be surprised. He's not going to be shocked. There's never going to be a, oh, I didn't know that about you. Uh-oh, that changes it. No, he already knows. He knows. He's, there's not going to be a surprised look on his face when you tell him because he already knows everything about you. Nothing you tell him is going to catch him off guard. Quite, quite the opposite. He wants you to lay it all out there. Now, there's a great verse of Scripture that we use a lot of times as a comfort, right? So it's in the, it's in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, and you could probably, some of you, quote it with me, but it says, "'Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you.'" Isn't that beautiful? But what I want to point out here is the word all, Okay. It's an incredible word because it's used 1,234 times in the New Testament. Not like I counted them. You can thank Google for that. But imagine that. Over 1,000 times this word all is used in various forms in the New Testament. So here's, here's what it means. It's so much more than just like, everything you, you know, it's more than just unpacking everything you have and casting all your care upon him. It goes deeper than that. It means each and every, not just all of it, but sweeping the corners out, like every single, each and every care that you have. It also means this, all kinds or all manners. So there's no off-limit topic. There's no subject that he doesn't want to know about. There's nothing that he doesn't have the ability to help you with. So let's get it all out on the table. Let's get every bit of our cares and put it out there so we can deal with this. Anything that you keep back there that's off-limits means that your counselor won't be able to help you with it. So be brutally honest with your counselor. Get it all out there. That word "all" also means like every day, all the time. So it's like it's something that just doesn't go away. It's like every day you've got to be honest and brutally honest by getting it all out there. So be brutally honest with your counselor and then listen to your counselor's voice. What's he telling you? Uh So, So I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for you, and I don't want to get too like um, uh, spooky spiritual here, but I don't know if you've ever felt like God spoke to you about something, but it happens, right? And I I don't know what it looks like for you, but I believe this, that you have a spirit, little s, that lives inside of you, That's, that's who you are. But when you enter in a relationship with Jesus Christ and you, you, you become a child of God, there is a Holy Spirit, big S, that moves in, the Bible says. And he moves in and he's there to kind of help guide you. He's there to help convict you. He's there to help comfort you. And that's, that's who he, he resides inside of the believer. And I believe that big S spirit can communicate with our little S spirit in a way that's unique to you. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I believe it happens. And so I believe that when when we are brutally honest with our counselor and we lay it all on the table, now it's time to shut up and listen to what he has to say. And I don't know what he's going to say, and I don't know where it's going to come from, but it might be from the big S spirit talking to your little S spirit, or it might be the Word of God, the Bible, as you read through it, and you're looking for comfort or you're looking for answers, and it's like a gut punch because that's exactly why it was written for you 2,000 years ago. It could be a good friend that just slaps you with a dose of reality. And God put them in your life to make that happen. I don't know how God speaks to you, but it is as real as I'm speaking to you now. Because I think that he, okay, there's, there's a great verse. It says this in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. So there is something unique about what works for you that God will communicate to you. That's all I can say. And the way that he communicates with me may not be the same way he communicates with you, but it is real, people. We just don't shut up long enough to hear it. We just always got to have something making noise, right? We always have to have something on in our car, something on at the house, and so we don't ever give God the time to communicate with us, to sit still long enough to listen and to hear it because we like a lot of noise in our life because it drowns out whatever it is we're trying to hide and get over. And God says, just shut up and stop the voices And stop listening to all of the noise and listen to me. Give me a chance to speak into your life a little bit. And how he speaks into your life will probably not be the same way that he speaks into my life. But it works. And how he spoke into my life yesterday may not be the same way he speaks into my life next week. He might use a person or a... Listen, I'm a big podcaster, right? I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm in the car a lot. I listen to podcasts that are kind of out there sometimes, and God can, and and, and not even talking about spiritual stuff, but God will answer a question for me because I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to get input into my life. So listen to the counselor's voice, and then finally just do what the counselor tells you to do. I mean, be brutally honest with your counselor, listen to the counselor's voice, and then do what the counselor tells you to do. Why are we so stubborn? It's like we want God to fix our problems, but we're not willing to do anything to fix our problems. Because we don't want to do anything to change who we are. That's the problem. We want God to fix our problems as long as it doesn't mean I have to do anything. Like we want God to perform a miracle and change their heart or change this situation. But we're never willing to look inside and say, okay, maybe God's trying to do something about my life through this situation. There was this rich man that came to Jesus, and he was a good man. And he came to Jesus and said, you know, what do I have to do to to have eternal life? And Jesus tells him what to do. And he says, you know what, Jesus, I've already done all that. And Jesus says, you know what, you're right. You have done that. And then Jesus says this. He said, okay, one thing you lack Let me tell you the one thing you need to do, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then take up your cross and follow me. And then here's what happened. And he was sad and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Jesus nailed it. Jesus spoke into his life and said, there is the issue right there. I believe you love me, and I believe that you're a good man, but you love what you have more than you love me. So go sell what you have. And Jesus, like, I mean, like, boom, pinpointed it, nailed it, no doubt about it. And the guy was like, oh, so we want help, don't we? We're sick and we need help and we go to our counselor. and We may even be honest with him. And then we may even take the time to listen to his voice. But I want to encourage you that it has to, it takes one more thing. You have to be willing to do what your counselor tells you to do. Because too often we ask for help, hoping for a miracle, but don't want to have to do anything to change who we actually are. But here's the truth, folks. You know as well as I do, there's not much you can do to change anybody else, and there's very little you can do to change circumstances. But there's a lot that you can do to change you. And so sometimes changing you is all you can do. Now, I can't can't emphasize this too much. So I don't know what crap you're going through. I don't know who is giving you a hard time. I don't know what relationships are on the, on the ropes here. I don't know what your circumstances is, are, are financially. But maybe what we need to do is say, what is the counselor trying to tell me to change about me through what I'm going through? Maybe I am not being the right kind of friend Maybe there's something about what I do with finances that just keep on creating this financial disaster that I'm in. Maybe it's the decisions that I make and the choices that I make that consistently seem to bring about the same issues in my life. And so if you are brutally honest with a counselor and you take the time to listen to his voice and that he tells you something to do, maybe it's you that needs to change rather than your circumstance. I'm not saying your circumstance doesn't need to change. I'm saying it's worth considering because you know as well as I do, you're not going to be very effective trying to manipulate the behavior of somebody else and trying to change everybody else in the room. You are responsible for you. And maybe it's not everybody else that has the problem. Maybe it's you who needs to change. And I don't, and I'm not, please understand, I, I am trying to help us walk out of this room today with some hope that we have this relationship with Jesus Christ as a counselor, who can give us advice and and give us the right counsel so that we can live the John chapter 10, verse 10, abundant life that he wants us to live. And sometimes it does take a miracle to change a circumstance and get you a better job or a transfer. Or maybe someone does need to get right or apologize. Maybe winning the lottery would help. I know it, right? (laughs) Friend? But it's like, I I get it, and maybe that is what God's going to do. I'm not saying, I'm not removing that from the equation. I'm just saying, if those are areas that you probably don't have any say-so in, like that's probably not, you're not going to manipulate the numbers and win the lottery. You're not going to change your mother-in-law You're not not going to change circumstances. So let's deal with what we can deal with, right? And that is you. And let's figure out in this mess that we're in, in this situation that we're in, what is it that Christ is trying to change about you? What is the counselor trying to do? He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Hey, folks, that's you. There's a beautiful there, there there is a beautiful scripture where Jesus Christ said that I'm come to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up and take care of wounds and all of that. That's you. You are his mission. And just as much as he wanted to have a relationship with you, and he died on the cross so that you could become a follower of Jesus Christ and and have assurance of salvation, live out the kingdom life here on earth and and get the benefit of that relationship as you live out life here on earth. You're still his mission, and he still wants to heal you, and he still wants to help you. And sometimes it's you that he's trying to fix. But he's a wonderful counselor. He knows you. (laughs) He knows it all and he knows what you're going through, so be honest with him about your problems. Have a conversation. And then take the time to listen to what he has to say. And then realize that maybe there's something that you need to do to affect change in your life. I want to thank you for being here today. I know many of you but there's quite a few in here that I don't know as well. So I don't want to assume that everybody in here has got a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know what your background is like or what your history is, but if you came here this morning and you kind of feel like, man, that was really good, but I don't feel like I'm that connected with Jesus, man, we would love to have that conversation with you and and help you start that journey. And so after we pray, we're going to basically just kind of open it up, and and, and we're going to have a song and all of that, and some fellows will be down here um, to, to maybe have a conversation with you about beginning that relationship because he came for you. He wants to have a relationship with you and be your wonderful counselor as well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the truth of Scripture. Thank you for everything you've done to begin a relationship with us and reestablish a relationship with us after we blew it. And all of us have issues, all of us have problems, and help us to turn to you and help us to be honest, to listen, and to do the work necessary to become who it is we need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.